The real work for me always is not how do I get there? It's how do I let go of how I think I have to get there? How do I trust, truly trust? And how do I let go of anything that isn't that? So there's like a two-part process that I've gone through over and over and over again to, I'm just going to call it what it is, manifest shit, right? Truly. And it has always been one, first and foremost, letting go. Letting go of what is not aligned. Letting it go. And that's often the hardest part because then what you're left with in the letting go is a void. And in the void, you're going to feel your longing more. You're going to feel your desire more in the void. And that longing, if you don't have faith, can feel like hell. Hello and welcome. Rachel Maddox here. This is Rebloom Our World, a podcast for world-changing witches here to birth personal and collective post-traumatic growth miracles. I am so glad you're here and I can't wait to dive in with today's episode. So you know how when you have this really big dream that's like central to the fulfillment of your soul on earth in this body and the dream is so much bigger than you. I mean, it's it's perfectly sized for you, but it was almost planted inside of you like a seed. And in some ways, it's inevitable for this seed to root and eventually rise. And in other ways, it needs the right conditions, right? The right soil, the right tending, etc. But like designed into the seed are you know, instructions for growing. It's just part of its inherent intrinsic design and makeup. Yeah. And yet there is a part of you perhaps that doesn't believe that the dream will grow in its own right timing, in its own divine way that just, that just doesn't believe that it's actually going to happen, even though the seed is planted so firmly, like in the center of your goddamn heart, right? Like it's yours. It's your biggest dream. Well, I want to tell you a story um, about this very thing, because I know that feeling very, very well, both the soul dream planted in the center of my heart And the knowing that it's meant for me at the same time that even though I like want to have faith, I don't have faith, right? And for me, the thing that that has been true about is living in a village. And those of you who are new to me or or who maybe just found this podcast or somebody sent this to you, um, I'm currently living in a village, (laughs) And I want to tell you the story of how this happened because it's, it's, it's really changing my life just to integrate my reality, right? And to share this story with others is having a really big impact on them, whether it's friends or clients or whomever. So like I said, for me, the dream of living in a village has been lifelong. 
Um, when I was growing up, living in the suburbs of Columbia, Maryland, I had this really visceral feeling of confusion. Confusion about our closed doors, our closed windows, our single-family homes, not really knowing my neighbors. Of course, I had my neighbor friends here and there, but like, who were all of the adults in those houses? And what about the grandparents down the street? Like, not really knowing people deeply, not really being known by anyone outside of my family, besides, of course, like, friends and teachers at school. Um, I felt confused. I was like, how did I get here? Like, you know, like, this isn't Kansas anymore vibes. Like, where am I? Um, that's a Wizard of Oz reference for anybody who's, I don't know, born in 1995 or later. <laughs> anyway, um, feeling really confused. I, I grew up feeling really confused. And I also grew up with this sort of fierce volition that I, as a, as a confused being that like nothing was wrong with me, something was wrong with everything else. Like I was confused because I was displaced, not because I was flawed. Right. I just knew that God knows how, right. (laughs) Thank you ancestors. Um, and I would look around at my school, like literally starting in elementary school or middle school or high school or college. And I would ask these questions of like, well, what is missing from our shared space? The absence or or like the arrival of which would make all the difference. What's missing for us that we need to cultivate in our we space? Not like what's missing for me, but what's missing for us. And I would start things like clubs or cooperatives or literary magazines or arts festivals or cooperative houses or whatever it was. I would just, I would fill the gap. And then I look into my career and I did a similar thing. Like what's missing for coaches, a community to belong to um, that they can find themselves inside of. Honestly, a company that they can live inside of so they don't have to market themselves if that's not their thing. You know, filling the gap constantly for others and also in culture. And I got so used to being this person that like felt for what was missing and then innovated into the gap and then had a a dream on my hands that was bigger than I could actually fulfill on my own. And so then I would have to like call in resources and call in collaborators and call in help and enroll people into my vision and people would join. And it was still always like a little bit strapped for cash energy, Um, but we were together. So who cares kind of vibe. And I did that over and over and over again. And there was some part of me that believed like as much as I believed my name was Rachel, (laughs) that this is exactly what I would would have to do for a village that in order to live in a village, I would have to make the money for the village because I, you know, my friends don't really have money. So I would have to be the one to make the money and I would have to save the money. And then I'd have to find a realtor uh, that finds weird properties and like they would find the property. And then I would have to like enroll a handful of people to like get on board with the village and maybe even convince some people that like they should do this with me and move across the country or across the world or whatever. And I was going to have to do a lot of work 
and I was going to, my vision was going to be bigger than me and it would need more resources than I had. And, you know, you get the same, the same story, history repeating itself in my, in my life. And this thing happened where my husband-to-be and I, we were, we were living in this townhouse for the last year um, after my previous house that was like this magical serendipitous home by Wind and Sea Beach. After that house completed its, ran its course, um, Sean and I were living in this other house together and it, it was just like not a great, it was good. It held us. It was like this hold me over place, but it wasn't, it wasn't where we were meant to root and I was starting to get kind of restless and starting to feel like, okay, I really need my hands in the dirt. Like I need to be able to tend to land and a garden. And I was just needing a different lifestyle. And I was, I was feeling really impatient. And I knew it wasn't like, quote unquote, or in my head, I thought <laughs> it wasn't time for the village because I was like, well, I can't do all of that work right now. I don't have all of the the energy, the resources, the money to do that work and start a freaking village. So we went out one day and we looked for houses with a realtor. I had never done that before. And it was October. And it happened to be my one of my good friend's birthdays. And so we went to the specific part of town that we were interested in living in, which was near to where my friend whose birthday it was lived. And we looked at a few houses. They were totally wrong. Like they were, they were just not, they were not right. Um, and we had, we were about to meet up with my friend, Dave, for his birthday. We were going to go out to dinner outside somewhere with him and his partner and me and Sean and another couple. And so, but we had like an hour to kill and Raja, our dog needed a walk. And so we we saw this trail as we were driving. So we we're like, oh, let's go back to that trail and pull off and take a walk. So it's this gorgeous trail and the sun is setting. It's sort of like a trail in a valley and the sun is setting and there's all of these different um, plants, like these wild different herbs. And I didn't know what any of them were practically, but it was like the smell was incredible. And I was like, wow, this, this is a beautiful, beautiful trail that we're on. So let's just keep walking. And we kind of were like, you know, that thing where you're, you're trying to gauge how much time you have. So you keep looking at your watch and we were about to turn around and then Sean was like, let's just go a little bit further around the bend. And I was like, okay. And he's like, then we'll turn around. So we go a little bit further around the bend and just around the bend, we find ourselves in this engulfing, gorgeous, fragrant grove of eucalyptus trees and bushes. Like eucalyptus has multiple varieties and they were all there. (laughs) The circular, you know, the ones with the circular leaves, the ones that look like coins and then like the long narrow leaves and little bushels. There was just trees and bushes of every variety of eucalyptus. And you can tell because you can smell it. It has that delicious minty smell. And I was like, whoa. And it went from sort of sunny sunset energy to like held in this womb of eucalyptus. And the trees and the bushes, they like stopped me in my tracks. And I was just taken. And they they talked to me. The trees talked to me. That's what happened. <laughs> and they just stopped me. And they said straight up right then and there, you're not meant to own a home. Like at least right now, right? You're not meant to, to purchase a home. You're meant to be a steward 
of medicine. You're meant to live on a land where you can give to the medicine and receive from the medicine. And it was such a strong message. Like it was so crystal clear. And I was like, wow, okay, like received. And I asked the the trees and the bushes, the grove, if I could harvest some of the leaves to make an like a bushel for our new home altar. And of course the trees were like, yes, please go for it. <laughs> and so I harvested some of the eucalyptus along with some other beautiful yellowy flowery things. Um, and I walked back with my bushel and I told Sean and he was like, great, love it. And we got in the car and we drove and we met up with Dave and our other friends. And we're sitting outside at this restaurant and there's like some jazz music playing and it's Dave's birthday. And they're like, what have you been up to today? And we said, we went to look at houses. And then one of the other couples was actually had been meeting with a realtor that day because they were selling their house and it was all this sweet synchronicity there. And then Dave says to us, you know, we have an opening at the village and it's a very, very small window of opportunity here, just so you know. And meanwhile, Dave and I go way back. He was one of my very first friends when I moved to San Diego. And we sort of tried to date when we met because we had so much in common. But one of the things that we shared was a real community spirit and a real value around community and around gathering people and around even the vision of of village life. And I remember he said to me at the very beginning of our friendship, and I got totally confused because I was in such like a monogamous headspace, I think still. But he was like, I could really see doing lifelong village together with you. Like you're one of the very few people I've met that I could really imagine that with. And of course I thought he meant he wants to marry me and have my babies and stuff like this. (laughs) But, um, But that's not what he meant. He just meant what he said. And so our relationship went on and we had sort of a confusing relationship for me. Um, and it wasn't always perfect and we fought a lot. And at some point we decided we, we were going to take a year off or we were going to take time off. We were going to stop talking. So we did. We didn't talk for about a year. And then we reconvened and reconnected and our relationship got like so much clearer and so much stronger. And it was still built on all this trust because we were always people that had room to disagree inside of our relationship, like sort of like a sibling energy where you kind of duke it out sometimes with, with the person. We have that vibe with one another, but ultimately like, um, a lot of respect, a lot of love, a lot of mutual care, a lot of showing up for one another. So really great, great relationship. But still, I think somewhere from the beginning of our relationship, I've got this little imprint in me that was like, Oh, I can't live with Dave. Like, I just can't like we fight too much or this or that. So I always ruled it out. I was like, Dave's literally the only person I know who lives in a village, but I would never live in a village with Dave. (laughs) So we show up to his birthday and he's like, um, there's an opening in the village that you might want to just consider. Cause we had shared a little bit of like what we were looking for, you know, driving distance to the ocean for Sean who loves to surf and a place where we can keep bees and grow gardens and for there to be like maybe Jewish community nearby. And one of the families here is Jewish, which is awesome for me. And, you know, all these things. And it was just, this village is those things, right? And the story of the village is it had 10 
founding members, which also I want to just kind of like say that again. This village was not founded by an individual or even a singular couple, but five couples, 10 people. And they did this whole beautiful visioning process. And two weeks later, they found the property. And that's a whole different story. And it's a very mystical story in and of itself. Um, But it was founded by 10 people. Four of the 10 folks wanted to like have their next village. They wanted more land. They wanted, wanted a bigger village. So they went and left. Well, left to Oregon to start a bigger village. Um, and so the village itself only has five houses. And because of all the zoning bullshit, basically, they can't really build on the blueprint of, of the property. So they couldn't add new houses. But two of the houses opened up. And Dave and his partner moved into one of the houses And then there was this house, which, by the way, is called the Garden House. I mean, anybody who knows my body of work, it's like, oh, of course you moved into the Garden House at the village. (laughs) Like, um, And it was open. And they'd had a few part-time people in here because they were just like needing to process this big change and they weren't ready to commit to somebody long-term yet. But the time was coming And they were looking for a long-term, they were looking for their next long-term folks to move into this house. So Dave plants this seed for us. And I'm just like, oh my God, are we going to live with Dave at the village? Like jokes on me, right? So we go home that night and I'm like, okay, I don't know. Maybe it's Evo, maybe it's something else. Um, But let's get really clear on what we want. So Sean and I did this ritual where, because also... Also, this is the other piece I want to say. I might have mentioned this at the beginning. I was getting really nutty. Okay, like, you know when you really want something and it's not happening on the timeline that you want it to happen on? (laughs) And so you start to get, like, crazy. You start to just get, like, super controlling and super graspy and super, like, tight-knuckled and, like, forcing and, oh, I'm going to make destiny work for me. I was like a million percent in that place. I was in a bad place. (laughs) I was like, I need to move, you know? Um, but I didn't have any faith, any trust. I was like, I am going to muscle this. I was on Zillow nonstop. I was killing myself on Zillow. I was literally losing brain cells on Zillow at night. Like I was, it was not good. It was not sexy. It was bad. It was just a bad time. Right. (laughs) And so I was, I also knew even before we went on this walk and, you know, met up with Dave, I had said to myself, I'm going to do a ritual. I'm going to make an altar and I'm going to give this to God because I'm like holding on way too tightly and this is not good for anyone. Well, then of course, you know, the trees talk to me and I harvest the leaves and Dave says the things and I'm like, okay, message received. I'm on track. Let's do this ritual. So I turn on some music and I you know, there was the long leaves of eucalyptus and I write all, I start writing all of these qualities that I wanted to be present in our new home. And, you know, some of it was like intergenerational living or seasonal rituals or living water to contribute to or reciprocity, trust, space for dancing, space for crying, like whatever, all the things, lots of sex, like all the things, right? And I invite Sean to join me and he, he puts his things in and, and we take all of these eucalyptus leaves that we've written on and we put them into this little clear 
heart glass. And we take the bushel of the other things we harvested and we put that in a, in a vase and we just built an altar, right? And we were like, okay, anytime I'm starting to hold on, I'm going to light a candle at the altar and I'm just going to say, thank you, God. Thank you, life. I trust. You've got this. Thank you. And so that's what I did, right? That's what we did. And I really instantly felt better. I was like instantly like, okay, cool. I really, I don't have to do this anymore. Like delete the Zillow app. I'm good, <laughs> right? Um, and Dave started inviting us over and he gets all the credit because he's a like brilliant facilitator of community in general, but also he just, he knew what to do. He like had us have dinner with these people and then those people and da, 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 da. Well, long story short, after our visits and the questions that we asked and the people that we met with, everybody ended up feeling really good. And I found that we found out later they, they made the decision unanimously. And it was the first time in four years that anybody had joined the village that every single person was a yes to. Sean and I were, were a unanimous yes, um, which was incredible. And I've felt that the whole time we've been here, like everyone is a yes to us and we're a yes to being here. And, and so what I really want to emphasize is that I thought I want to go back to this. I thought I was going to have to buy and work and hustle and lead and sweat and force and persuade and enroll and all of this stuff. And what actually happened was a million times better. The 10 years that folks have lived in this village prior to our arrival, I, I'm like, I bow to the founders of this place. I bow to everyone who participated in that work, in that sweat, in that soul giving service, because I it's, it's one of the first times in my life where I feel like a really clear inheritor. Of course, I've inherited a ton of gifts and love and brilliance and everything else from folks, from my family, from my lineage, from, from teachers and everything else. But this has felt so tangible that I'm like inheriting the vision. I'm inheriting the gifts and the, the sweat and the fruition of other people's vision. Um, and I'm not in charge. I'm not anywhere near in charge. There's actually like, I think there's 15 adults that live here or something like that. I'm like the lowest in the pecking order. It's amazing. I'm, I'm literally just a tiny part of this big circle. I'm just like one strand of the web. I'm just one piece of the ecosystem. I'm not holding the spell. Anybody who's started anything, oh my gosh, hello, raising my hand, like, you know, I started Rebloom and I started it alone and damn, that shit was fucking hard. <laughs> like, um, of course I didn't start it like all alone, alone, but really it was me and God on the fucking rocks at Wind and Sea Beach and, you know, receiving this body of work over and over again, of course, with friends and with teachers and with guides and with everybody there with me, but like, we didn't all, there weren't 10 of us that said, hey, let's start this together. It was me. And I had to hold that spell alone in a really big way until more people were part of it and held it with me. 
Um, but there are over 10 people here who started the spell together. And I just feel like the luckiest recipient of that. And the, the wildest thing happened, which is that once I really let myself receive, like once I came into this circle and felt myself in a new position in my life that I've actually been yearning for, I've been really actually also praying about being surrounded by elders, receiving from others, like being in a different position where I'm not the one holding and giving so much, but really I'm, I'm in the exact position I'm in right now. It was such a potent transmission that it's a really big part of what shifted things for me around the coach training is like, it's this transmission of orientation that wanted to shift for me, not just in terms of my home, but in terms of my life to become somebody who's more just part of things that others have started um, than the one holding something big by myself or, or with others, of course, I've been holding it with Jody. I've been holding it with the hive, but just this, this energy shift that just wanted to happen. It was like this wind of change came in and changed a lot at the same time. But again, the thing I want to really underline here is how I thought it had to happen was not at all how it happened and how it happened was so much better than how I thought it would happen and is such a bigger gift than what I could have kind of forced into being for myself. And the other piece I really want to name here is as I've been living this this reality, as I've been living into this new story and I had a bunch of friends here for my birthday the other week and we've all been you know, and I've been working with clients or students or whomever, this thing that's coming through for me is that for each of us, that seed of desire that's planted really deep in your soul that is just yours, it's actually already in existence somewhere. You know, they talk about love like this a little bit, like your soulmate or, or whatever you believe in, um, one of your many great loves, whatever, like already exists And it's just about letting yourself, and again, like you heard my story, I had no trust, I had no faith, I was totally controlling and like trying to manipulate everything to be how I wanted it to be. And in the end, it's like almost as soon as I let go, it came right away. And that happens for me over and over again, and it's probably partially my design and whatever, astrology, whatever, human design, all of it. But it's also like a thing I see for a lot of folks that we have these ideas of how we think we're going to get what we want and we're attached to them because we're afraid that if we don't attach to that method, we won't, we won't get what we want. And of course, life's not always fair and we don't always get everything we want. And like, I'm not just preaching that everything you want will just come because, you know, life's fucking wild and, and unpredictable. And I really do believe that our soul dreams, like those deep, deep callings that were born in us, that we somehow miraculously woke up with this yearning for a thing, that that thing already exists. It's already alive in some place in time. Whether that place in time is the past, the future, something parallel or sideways, there is a template of reality that exists where that soul dream 
is realized and manifested. It's, it's just really real somewhere. And that's why the hunger is so deep. Because it's already real somewhere. It's like when somebody talks to you, you're talking to a friend on the phone, and they describe to you something that they're cooking, and it's so good that your mouth waters. Your mouth is watering because it's <laughs> the food exists somewhere, you know? It's literally the presence of the food that makes your mouth water. Your metaphorical mouth watering that's happening at a soul and heart level, it's happening because the thing exists. And to me, I think in my experience, the real work, and this has been across the board for me, whether it's been in my career and vocation and profession or love or getting in alignment with something, my home, right? The village. The real work for me always is not how do I get there? It's how do I let go of how I think I have to get there? Truly, how do I trust? Truly trust. And how do I let go of anything that isn't that? So there's like a two-part process that I've gone through over and over and over again to, I'm just going to call it what it is, manifest shit, right? Truly. And it has always been one, first and foremost, letting go. Letting go of what is not aligned. Letting it go. And that's often the hardest part because then what you're left with in the letting go is a void. And in the void, you're going to feel your longing more. You're going to feel your desire more in the void. And that longing, if you don't have faith, can feel like hell. It can feel like uh, hopelessness. It can feel like freaking out. It can feel like control. It can feel like all of these things, right? Pick your poison of how you get in the liminal space of after you've let go and before the next thing has arrived. I get controlling. Other people get hopeless. Other people get whatever, anxious. Other people check out. Pick your poison, as I said. But until you let go, which usually is a, is a painful process because you're literally trying to like open a, a, a very clenched fist, whether it's around a relationship, um, a job, a a habit, an addiction, until you let go, until you loosen the grip and, and untangle from what's incoherent, you can't get to the thing that actually magnifies your prayers, which is longing. You can't belong to your longing enough for God to hear until you let go of the safety blanket until you let go of the pacifier, you can't cry for what you need. So that's the hardest part. The hardest part, I mean, I I know that from experience. I see it in friends, in clients, in everyone. Letting go. And in order to let go, here's here's a trick. If you're really having a hard time, don't fully let go. Just give yourself some space. Give yourself enough space, and I'm talking, it could be a weekend not talking to your partner, or it could be a week off of work, 
or it could be whatever, right? A week of sobriety. Give yourself some space from the thing without fully untangling and dream into what you truly desire. So you have to um, employ a little bit of muscle to do that, right? The muscle is the boundary. Get a boundary up that, that protects your space enough that you have enough space to dream into something new. And in that space, dream. And by dream, I mean remember. Remember what you really want. Remember what's really meant for you. Remember that thing that already exists that's waiting for you to wake back up to it. Just remember. Write it down like it's already happened. I am, I'm living in the village, right? With, with an outdoor bath and bees. I'm surrounded by flowers. I am walking across the, the way to my neighbors for Shabbat. I am, I am, I am. What is it? What is more true than what you're currently living? What is your one true life? I forget. There's some Glennon Doyle quote here from Untamed. Like, what's the one true life? It's more true than the story you're currently living. You can't feel it until you momentarily put your current book on the shelf and open a blank one and just scribe it back into, into memory, into your body, into your cells. Dance it in. Breathe it in self-pleasure it in, like get it back into you. And that will give you the momentum to go back into your current book and, and really close it out. And then you're going to close out your current book and you're going to be with what's not yet come. You're going to sit into, I know this is real and it's just waiting for me somewhere. This literally is how I met Sean. This is actually how I got into the last two relationships I'm in. I had my big breakup ceremony with Dave, which was a relation, it was a situationship anyway, but I had this big ceremony with him, closed that chapter. As soon as we did our little breakup ritual thing, I had been really clear in a really clear like conversation with God for a whole week prior to the breakup. And then I was walking up the hill from the ocean to my house and I was, I remember I had this like affirmation on repeat that was like, a man who loves all my body and all my soul, all my body and all my soul. The same exact day I met my next partner, Condido, at a farmer's market. The same day. The same day. I can't make that up. It's just the true story of my life. Then Condido and I had our whole beautiful love story and it was life-changing. He loved all my body and all my soul more than anyone I'd ever met. It was just like phenomenal love. And also it, it wasn't meant, I, I wasn't in my fullest soul's aliveness. And that was then what became clear to me. I want to be in a relationship where I'm in my full soul's aliveness. And so I did another ritual, you know, and that next ritual I had more work to do because part of what I needed to integrate was my identity as a polyamorous person. It was, while I'd known I was polyamorous for like 10 years, it wasn't something that I fully embraced and I'd continue to date monogamous people and, and come into the same problem where I'm like, shit, I'm not monogamous. So in this case, the work for me was actually not about who I was gonna partner with, but I will marry my own soul's aliveness. And I will 
be fully devoted to the full spectrum of who I am. And it was only a few months later. And actually when Condido and I uh, broke up, it was here at the village. Oh my gosh, I just put this together the other weekend. We were at the village. We were at um, a workshop that Dave was hosting and we were sitting on a bench by the yurt and he said to me these words. He said, I believe in this moment in breaking up, I meant to like deliver your soul. And by deliver, he meant like release your soul, but also like carry your soul with you to your, to your one true love, to your big love story. And then I met Sean two months later, three months later. Also, the day after I'd done a ritual where I came out on Instagram around being polyamorous, met Sean the next day at a restaurant. So again, lots of stories with the same theme. And the thing I want to underline is it was never force. It was always faith. The faith to let go of what wasn't my one true story, my one true love, my one true life. And the faith to, to, to say clearly, this is who I really am. This is what I really want. This is the seed that got buried in my soul for a reason. And I trust that it will grow. God, grow this dream in me. I'm here. I'm open. I'm ready. And like that, boom. Sometimes some work has to be done between inside of yourself with whatever is in the way of you fully saying yes to yourself. But I, I do believe as we start to say yes more and more and more, there's a momentum. And one day you're just going to wake up and like me, I'm like, holy shit, I'm in the motherfucking village. And my friends came for my birthday. My first friend, Anne, y'all probably know Anne Nguyen. She arrived and she did one of her little breathwork practices that she does on the couch. And she literally was like, I could not get up after that because I was floored by a feeling of arrival. She was just saying like the transmission of what has happened for you is so powerful. Like you arrived. Because of course we've known each other for however long. She knows this vision I've held for so long. And it's like, and she was like, and you didn't have to work for it. I'm like, I know. (laughs) Can you believe it? Like what you want is just waiting for you to let go of what's untrue. It can be easier. It can be simpler. It can be more magical than you imagine, than our systems of capitalism and patriarchy and white supremacy and heteronormativity and all of these isms. Like It can be on a different timeline, on a different template. And that's like so almost impossible to believe with our minds because we're brainwashed by these systems, but somewhere in your body, somewhere in your soul, you probably know that's true or you want it to be true. So even if you're not sure, like I wasn't sure, right? I never really had full faith. Not really. I tried. But I also knew that faith was the way. So even if you're, you don't have full faith, but you have a hunch that faith is the way, I invite you to to practice. Where are you grasping? Where are you holding on too tight? Where do you think it's up to you? 
Where are you arguing with reality, with God? Where are you arguing with God being like, God, you know, I'm not asking for too much. Like, it could just be like this, right? Like, God, don't I deserve it? Like, stop arguing. It's already there. Where are you still in the struggle? And it's okay. Like, like I said, I've been in all the struggles. I'm not above any of it. But maybe this story and these words right now can help you just remember You don't have to struggle. You could let go. You could do a ritual. You could pray. You could maybe trust. You could make an altar. You could name what's already true in some other timeline and dance it back into your body. You could. And I hope that you do. Because you deserve to remember how it feels for things to happen by way of miracle because that is how this whole planet is here that's the energy that you're born from it's the spark of life itself you're not separate from it no matter how much you and I and all of us have been indoctrinated into these systems of separation there is something, and, and they are real, right? They exist, and there is something as real, if not more real, that is more ever-present than systems that harm, that is much more like love, that is much more the binding force of the universe. And when we tap into that, our true nature and the genius of our souls can rebloom. All right, sending you lots of love. If you loved today's show, it would mean so much to me if you subscribed, shared with a friend, or left a review. They all help more ears hear this medicine. Love.